everyone, and welcome to episode 11 of Get This Girl a Job, where we interview recent college graduates and the coolest women we know about how they made their moves into the real world and landed their very first jobs. I'm your host for this week, Katie Melbourne, and today's guest is Leah Fulmer. Leah graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison with a double major in astronomy and Spanish. She is now living in Tucson and working as a data reduction specialist at the National Optical Astronomy Observatory. Through her experience in astronomy and beyond, Leah has gathered wisdom on how to seek out mentors and build relationships with people that can be applied to work in any field. Hi, Leah. Welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi there. So um, my name is Leah Fulmer, and I currently work as a data reduction specialist for the National Optical Astronomy Observatory, or NOAO, as it's typically known as. Um, yeah, so I, I graduated in May, um, May 2017, from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, and then after graduation, I, um, well, I was, I was at Space Telescope for a little bit as an intern, but then I came to, to Tucson to work at um, NOAO. Yeah. So NAO, NOAO, sorry, NOAO <laughs> is obviously in astronomy. So that was your major in undergrad. Um, how did you land on astronomy? How did you end up deciding that's what you wanted to study? Yeah, yeah. So um, I just, clarification, I studied astronomy and Spanish. So just like, right. So that's knowledge. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so my, I feel like my um, journey to astronomy is kind of um, untraditional. I didn't know that you could do, could do astronomy for a career until I got to college. Um, so I, I took an astronomy course in high school and it was, it was very basic, like celestial motions, what's the sun doing, what's the moon doing, um, and then like brief history of astronomy. And I really liked it. Um, and so I came into college wanting to do biomedical engineering. Um, but my first semester I had like an extra space in my schedule to fill with any sort of class I wanted. And I was like, well, I liked astronomy in high school, so why don't I try that again in college? And I took like, you know, astronomy 103, it was like the solar system or something like that. Um, but then um, I, being part of that class and being, um, the professor was um, Jay Gallagher. And so kind of like seeing him as an astronomer at a university, um, I realized that like maybe astronomy is something people do. Um, and then I, there was a moment where he wanted to meet in the astronomy library and coming into the into the library and realizing that there was like so much information about this already and kind of in that realizing that there's so much further to go, realizing that we're not done and that people can do astronomy for their entire lives made me feel so inspired and really emotional um, in a way that I had never felt for engineering. So um, that's kind of what made me choose astronomy almost on impulse because I like saw the library and kind of realized this wealth of knowledge and I was like, I'm just gonna, just gonna do astronomy instead. <laughs> so yeah. I like that you share that you kind of changed your mind there because I think that's something a lot of people go through, even if it's not freshman year or if it's two years down the line. Yeah, so. totally. Yeah. And it's really funny. I thought I was going to be, for my entire life since I was nine up until that first month of college, I wanted to do, um, I wanted to like make prosthetics. And so it's, it was just funny going for almost my entire life um, wanting to do one thing in, in, you know, a space of a few weeks or being like, oh, I'm going to just switch the entire thing. and. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Must have been a great class. <laughs> yeah. <it was. laughs> um, so when you weren't studying astronomy in Spanish and living your crazy life, how did you like to spend your time? 
Um, yeah, so it's really funny. This is kind of like split half and half between before study abroad and after study abroad. <laughs> so I, um, before study abroad, I was really involved in a lot of um, dance organizations. So I love to dance. So I was in um, swing dance club and a ballroom dance club and um, was really in, like excited about that. I was also doing a lot of theater. Um, I was doing, um, I was, <laughs> I wanted to do theater, but I also didn't feel like I had enough time um, to really do it with my two other majors. So I was a light board op, which is basically you just come in for like one week and press go on a light board. Um, but like, you get to be a part of it. So <laughs> I was doing that. Um, and then what else? Oh, I was part of a, um, a STEM sorority. Um, so I was doing kind of like um, women in women in STEM, women in physics, or not women in physics, but um, women in astronomy. Um, there's a wonderful organization called Women of Wisconsin Strengthening Astronomy, or Wowza. So um, I was part of that. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so I was part of that organization. Um, but then, so that was before study abroad. After study abroad, I came back and quit all my clubs. So um, I quit everything because um, I was like, I just want to. I don't know. I just wanted to do whatever I wanted, which at the time was not necessarily involved in kind of all these things I had built for myself. Um, and so I uh, then ended up just prioritizing like my introspection and prioritizing like finding the spaces in which I um, held like toxic opinions and toxic thoughts and um, alleviating them and working to make them healthier. So that was, that was like my entire senior year was just like doing my inner work. Yeah, that's super important and things things people forget about in college often. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Um, so did any of those kind of affect where you end up today? Are you continuing on any dance or <laughs> other activities? Yeah, one hundred percent. I um, so I I do still love to dance. So I'm part of a um, I try to find like blues. Um, I really like blues dancing. Um, and that's, I always try to find a blues community wherever I go. So I'm in a blues organization in Tucson, um, which is super great. And, um, and I'm also going to try West Coast Swing. I've tried West Coast Swing a little bit and I like it as well. So I'm going to, but I haven't reached out to the West Coast Swing community here yet. So I'm going to do that soon. Um, and then I also, oh, so <laughs> yeah, something that I learned about Quakerism in while I was studying abroad. And so I've since um, kind of sought out Quaker communities, like, like literally like the oatmeal, right? Um, but also oh, the the Christian derivative, um, and they're surprising. I mean, people don't realize that they are alive and well. They are a thriving community um, today, and they sure are. So um, I find I like to. Um, that's yeah. I like to go to Quaker meetings. I don't identify as Quaker, but I like to go to their meetings. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. So you talked about finding them studying abroad so that's a perfect transition into <laughs> a little bit more about your experience with that and um how you decided where you wanted to go can you tell us about that yes yeah 100 so um yeah so i didn't realize that like many telescopes are in spanish-speaking countries when i chose my spanish major so that was just like a happy realization um but yeah so i wanted to go to chile because the telescopes are there right and because it is such a powerhouse in terms of the astronomical community and the observational resources and stuff like that. Um, so that's basically why I chose Chile. Um, and it, it really just ended up being, I realized later that I could only, I could only do the study abroad experience if I had both majors, right? Because going there and taking a lot of Spanish classes did work toward my Spanish major, um, but it also worked, was a really important part of my like research experience. Um, and so that was, I don't know, just like a kind of a, happy coincidence, but I, I knew that when I went, I wanted to have a research experience there, um, mostly because I was um, 
I knew I was going to spend the summer there, so I wouldn't be able to apply for REUs. Um, and I was very anxious and worried at the time that if I had a summer without research, then that would be a serious problem. So um, I wanted to make sure that I had a research experience in Chile so that I could um, kind of have something to show for that in the astronomical side, because that was the original reason that I was going there, right? Um, and so I, I was talking with Jay Gallagher, my research advisor, who's amazing. Um, and he was able to connect me with some of his colleagues and friends at the University of um, University of Chile. Um, and one of them very fortunately said that they were um, very excited, you know, willing to take on a student um, for a couple months and had a project that I could work on. So um, that's how that got going. That's pretty incredible that you were able to go and do that. Um, so that kind of leads into what what did you do over the summers when you were in undergrad? I totally forgot to put that on the sheet, but what did you do during no. your summers? <laughs> no worries. Yeah. So um, so. This is this is kind of where it comes in. We're like, it looks really good on paper, but it was actually just a huge struggle. Um, so my first summer, well, summer after freshman year, that was I had like just kind of discovered that I wanted to do astronomy. So I stayed in Madison um, and worked on like my first research experience um, studying on this one beautiful galaxy NGC 5523, but whatever. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I kind of worked on that first summer, and then the second summer. I applied to 11 REUs and got rejected from 10 of them. Um, but with the beautiful theme that it only takes one, um, I did get to go to that one place and that was Yale. So um, I was a Dwight Hoffite Research Scholar at Yale and that was, I was about to swear, that was amazing, <laughs> freaking amazing. Um, and so, yeah, so I did that my first summer and then second summer was, or summer after junior year was, I was in Chile. Um, and then summer after senior year, because I was at Space Telescope because they take students who have just graduated. And now actually they changed it where they will take graduate students, which is interesting, so. Oh, so like kind of a research fellowship opportunity? Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. So each research experience you had over the summer was completely different. How did you yes. end up balancing, you know, work that was left over from one professor to another um, and that kind of transition between projects? Because I'm sure that was a challenge to navigate. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it depended on the project. Um, yes. So my first project with Jay, um, it ended up getting the one about fifty-five twenty-three. Um, ended up getting really extended because when I was working, when I left to go to the summer at Yale, and then I was in Chile for a while, we just like dropped the project. Um, and so that was one way that I kind of dealt with it. Um, and because I don't think that I was I was ready to kind of take on multiple projects at once. Um, with my Yale project, um, I did end up working with that afterward, um, but that was um, just because where I, again where I was in my research. Um, it kind of being ended up being like Jeff Jeff Kenny is who I worked with, and he would like remind me that I had something to do, and I would like work really really hard for a week, and then like the semester would get in the way, and school would get in the way, and I would you know not be able to get to it, and then he'd be like, hey, I thought you were supposed to do this thing, and I was like, oh yeah, and then like work on it really really hard for a week. So um, that, I mean, again, that's just like part of my journey of like learning how to handle multiple projects. So, um, but I mean, like it was really healthy for me at the time to like have someone like checking in and being able to remind me. Um, and then that's also kind of how things really kept rolling with my projects at Madison, like making sure that I met with um, Jay on a regular basis so that I could be held accountable for the things that um, I really did want to do, right? Um, and then, but then, you know, other projects like the one in, the one that I did in Chile, we just like dropped it. Like I was, um, 
that was a project where I wanted to stop as soon, you know, when I when I left. So, yeah, yeah. So there's different different ways to handle that for sure. Um, yeah, I know I'm struggling with my own project right now um, yeah. in terms of research. So that that's um, good to know that you're able to balance it all. It's inspiring to say the least. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I don't always feel like I'm balancing it, but yeah. <laughs> Did any of those lead into the project or the work that you're doing right now? Um, I would say that they didn't. It's not like the project I did connects to the project I have now, but the work that I did inspired the work that I'm doing now. Um, so, so how did you find out about that? Work? Yeah. So, so in in particular, um, the project that I did. So, the project that I did with um, my first project was on this like one isolated galaxy, and then when I went to Yale, I did work um, with the Virgo cluster with Jeff. So we were working on 50 galaxies and just kind of like expanding my understanding of what I could research from like one to 50, like one order of magnitude higher was really, um, really like mind blowing at the time. And now it's really funny cause I'm like into data science. So I'm working with like millions of spectra. So 50 is like whatever. But at the time I was like, wow, I can do something totally different and succeed in this new thing. And also like galaxies are really close to my heart and how like systems of galaxies merge together is really close to my heart. So I'm getting excited now. Um, but the, the experience at Yale specifically really kind of inspired me to want to do like larger scale things. And like, um, I was also given the advice that you could, even if you don't know like what subject matter you want to go in, if there's like a certain type of data that you want to work with, that can really help. So that really helped me realize that I want to work with like big systems and big data. Because at the time that was big data to me, right? So um, and so it made me like want to keep rolling in that. So so now I work with on a project with four hundred galaxies, and and I want to just keep kind of like increasing my order of magnitude um, as I as I go on. So all in astronomy still is that the goal from here out? Yep. Yeah, the goal is astronomy. I'm not going to be super hurt if I have to leave at any point. At least like I don't feel that way right now. As in, I should. Let me clarify that. Um, the goal right now is to stay in astronomy as long as I can. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also recognizing that um, it can be very difficult. And so I, I'm, I like to do this thing where I like pre-forgive myself for a disappointing situation. So I know that if it ever happened, like the worst case scenario, right? So I know that if that ever happened, I would already be there comforting myself. So I've, I feel like I've forgiven myself for leaving astronomy. Um, but I, I, my primary goal is to stay in astronomy as long as possible. Yeah. Cause I love it. it. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you might as well do the thing that you love. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you talked a little bit about, um, what work you are doing now. How did yes. you end up finding out about that job? And did you, were you debating between that and grad school at the time? What are, what are, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? So I knew that I wanted to take a gap year for, well, okay. So the original reason that I came into a gap year was because I originally thought that I was going to take four and a half years. So, um, like graduating in December, 2017 and starting graduate school in September, 2018. Um, and then I realized in my last year that I did not have to take four and a half years. I could graduate in May, 2017, but I still didn't want to go to graduate school until I, I didn't want to mess up that timeline. I wanted to keep going to graduate school in 20, September 2018. Um, and so I decided to, instead of like switching up my whole schedule, just to like take a gap year. 
Um, and so that's kind of the reason that it originally started was because I, I rearranged my academic schedule, but um, it ended up being like really meaningful to me that I could spend a little bit of time away from academia and just take a break. Cause I, I also had wanted to take a gap year after, uh, after high school and I didn't do that. And so it was really important to me to kind of like, again, like use, use that time and use that impetus to like really take some time off. Um, but I also, I mean, I say take some time off, but I also wanted to stay in astronomy and keep good, doing good work. And again, there was that bit of anxiety about like, you know, what if I have a year without astronomy work? What's that going to mean for me? You know, um, I have this fear that if I like stop doing research, I'm going to forget how to do it, which is like really silly because like, that's not what happens, but whatever. Um, that's just like what I'm working with right now. Um, and so, yeah, so where am I? Okay, so I was at um, Space Telescope for this past summer um, for an internship, and I had also applied for their research and instrument analyst position. Um, and I um, I was so sure I was gonna get it, because I got the internship and I was like, yeah, they already like me, like I have tons of experience, I can do this. Um, and I ended up not getting it, which at the time was like extremely disappointing. Um, and I, you know, like let myself cry for a week, that type of thing. Um, and that's where this how to survive to disappointment comes in because <laughs> um, I I realized that I was extremely disappointed, but it was not as devastating as it might have been like a year earlier. And so I wanted to document how I was possible to kind of come out of this situation. Um, so anyway, the point is, sorry, okay, so didn't get that job. And then I was um, I was part of the summer internship still. So I went to the summer program coordinator who is Eva Momchava. She's the greatest. I love her so much. Um, so wonderful. Um, and she, I told her like, I want to work in a space where I can do galaxies and I can do big data and I can work in Python. Um, because I thought those were the skills that I wanted to learn most before going to graduate school. Um, and she connected me with Stephanie Juneau, um, who is an astronomer at NOAO and is now my current advisor. Um, and Eva told Stephanie about my interests. Um, and my, my interests at the time were also um, to possibly do some software development because I had done a software development project at Space Telescope during the summer. Um, and so I was looking for Galaxy Research Plus software and they were looking for someone who had research experience and software experience. So, um, so it just like kind of magically came together. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it, it, is, it is helpful to know people in that sense and like have friends connect you with friends and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So can I share, I mean, can I share a little bit about the things that made it a positive experience? Because I absolutely um, yeah. Because I this so the things that I want to impart um in the spirit of get this girl a job um are at the time that I was interviewing and the time that I was um kind of still in the running for the research and instrument analyst position, I like told everyone I knew that I was doing that. Um, and reached out to everyone that I knew at Space Telescope and asked for their advice and asked them to like um, help an interview and stuff like that. And um, at the when I didn't get the job, that was really disappointing because I had to reach out to like ten different people and tell them that I didn't get this job, which was like pretty humiliating. But it also left me in a situation where I felt really supported and really um, and like because Eva knew that this was something that I was going for, she also knew a way that she could help me kind of get past it. Um, and that was really, really important. Um, and so it's still it's still like a big theme in my career and something that I would encourage people to like, let people know what you're doing, let people know what you want because people want to, people want you to get what you want, right? People want you to be fulfilled. Um, and so 
just being clear about your goals and what you're interested in, I think has been always very helpful for me. Um, yes. Um, yeah. Um, and then, sorry. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you can no, keep going. <laughs> I have my list of how to survive disappointment if you want to hear about it. That's what I was going to ask you about, okay. actually. <laughs> cool. Great. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, yeah, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to read my, so I've been, yeah. Sometimes when I'm going through a hard experience, I want to like recap and be like, okay, how did I get through this experience? I can also, um, I recently made a list of how to survive a crush. So anyway, if you want to learn about that too, um, I got some tools, <laughs> but okay. So how to survive disappointment. Um, first one is um, self-compassion. So there's this wonderful book called Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. Um, and it just talks about um, feeling the same like empathy and kindness and compassion that you feel for other people and giving that to yourself. Um, and that's super important for my, um, just like how to, on a daily basis work with being like, wow, this has been really hard and, and showing myself, like offering myself the words of like, yeah, it's really difficult to feel disappointed and feel rejected. And, um, so that was really important for me. Um, number two is, um, optimistic prospects for the future. So the day that I found, or like the week before I found out that I was rejected for this position, I had already started looking at the um, WS job register and trying to like figure out other options just in case. Um, and I had already like was in the process for applying for a different position when I was rejected. And that helped me feel like I wasn't stuck, but I was continuing to look forward. Um, and so that was really important to feel like I wasn't, it wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't hopeless, right? Because I already had an optimistic prospect for the future. I also didn't get that position, by the way, just so everyone knows, like didn't even get that position. So like, you know, but, but having that prospect was like really important. Um, and then, okay, number three. Um, oh, beautiful. This, this, this is great. Um, remembering and validating past and present successes. So just like remembering, Nicole says that the best, the best predictor of future success is past success. So realizing that I had had other research experiences and I was thriving in my position, my internship at Space Telescope and remembering that I, like, I am successful and I can do this even if it all feels like a struggle, right? Like, I can do well. Um, four was oh, kind, compassionate, and supportive friends and family. So, again, just, like, really leaning on and calling on my support networks and just, like, messaging people and being like, yo, I didn't get this job and I'm really sad. Um, and, like, being able to accept their condolence and their... Um, like sitting with me in that was really important. Um, and then the last one, um, kind of a long list. Um, this last one is um, earnest and resourceful mentors. And I'm really talking about Eva in that moment because I was feeling lost and disappointed and she was really there for me to be like, yo, we'll, we'll find you something. Like we'll help you do this. And, and I, I don't just mean Eva, I mean Jay Gallagher and, um, and just like other research advisors and also, you know, heart advisors, like, like personal um, advisors being like, we will, we will get you there, we'll find you something, and res resourceful being like well-connected, right? Having people who, are, who know other people who they can ask if they have anyone, so, yeah. Wow, thank you for sharing that. That's honestly <laughs> yeah. such good advice. Um, <laughs> because I do feel like that oftentimes people put up this persona that everything has been fine, and you know, I'm here now, and so everything is okay. Um, oh, yeah. but it's very common to have that internal struggle, I think. And so thank you for yeah. your openness and honesty. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
Um, but now you're yes. switching gears back to applying for grad school and all of that now. How is that process going for you? Oh, it's been wild. It's been wild. <laughs> it's been a time. It's been wild because, um, so first of all, taking the GREs, PSA, I didn't, I didn't know this when I was signing up for a GRE, um, but the physics GRE is only offered three days out of the entire year, like one time in April, one time in um, September, and one time in October. And that's very, very important um, because also there is a last day before you can sign up, which is normally a month before the actual day of the exam. So for example, the, the day of the exam was October 28th and the last day you could possibly sign up was September 29th. Um, and I didn't know that and it was like October 3rd and I was looking to sign up and um, I could not. So um, I had to take the GRE as a, um, a stand-up. So you can do this thing where like you just show up the day of the test and if they have extra resources, um, then you can take it, um, which is obviously terrifying. Um, so I spent like a month applying for a test that I didn't know if I was going to take it or not. And that also affects like where we applied graduate school. So like, it was it was a panic month. It was a panic month, right? Um, so um, that was a whole time. And also, yeah, just it also the the, GR, the physics GRE wasn't offered in Tucson this year, so I had to like rent a car and like drive two hours away to like go take this frustrating tests oh, and I ended up doing really bad. So anyway, the whole thing's, this is what I'm saying, like, it looks like success, it's actually a huge struggle. So um, so anyway, yeah, so um, physics theory, so I ended up doing really bad. So um, I mean, I did my best to study and everything, but um, just in only having a few weeks to study and just having moved um, across the country was um, a situation in which I did not have the time to prepare for this, um, for an exam that I didn't realize was so so close at hand. Um, so that was interesting. Um, applying for graduate schools was really intense because I was constantly feeling intense confidence and intense insecurity. So I felt at all times like I will get in nowhere and obviously I'm gonna get in everywhere. I'm a great researcher. They should always take me, right? So this, these two very intense extremes um, was like a lot to, to deal with. Um, but Generally applying for school or applying for stuff is a healthy experience for me because um, it's a really great way to satisfy my ego without like annoying anyone else. Like I can just like to my essay whisper like I'm amazing and like no one else needs to hear about it. So it's like a really healthy opportunity for me to like get all those feelings out without um, bringing it to a toxic environment, right? Um, so yeah, so I mean it was like the main problem was that I because I was applying for graduate schools, I did not have the time to invest in like my social relationships or my other relationships that make that generally um, make me feel like my needs are being met. So that was a problem. But the actual process of applying was um, it wasn't the worst. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever done, which was really interesting because people people were always like, "That's terrible. This is a terrible experience." And I didn't. It was hard because of my other circumstances, but I don't think that it was hard necessarily in and of itself. Um, but it was also, it was a lot to do. Like it's a lot to do to like write to like write to professors at the places you want to work with and network in that way, and then also write about what you want to do. Make sure that your your worthiness uh, meter is being satisfied when you're applying to graduate school. Please, like like it's it was it's been how do I rephrase that? It was very important when I'm writing essays and making moves that will decide to the next five years to remember that like it's okay 
to be rejected. And that doesn't mean that I'm not worthy. I am worthy of a good education. I am worthy of pursuing a PhD. And if all of my schools reject me, that's not gonna change. Um, and that was a really big part of making sure that the process was healthy and not just straight panic. So this, is, this has been a great interview, Leah. So thank you. Oh, thanks. So oh. one last thing. Um, so what was a recent moment where you felt like you were living your 25th hour lifestyle? And for new viewers, that basically just means a moment where you feel like you've had a million things going on, but you felt at least like you had stuff a little bit under control. <laughs> Is there any moment like that recently for you? <laughs> um, yeah, and again, it's so, it's just so funny. Like, so, so, okay, so I've been recently going through graduate school interviews and um, they're really stressful, right? That's a stressful situation. <laughs> um, and so, I also have this terrible thing recently where when my life is going well, I get really stressed out about it. So like I had a lot of graduate school interview opportunities and I was like really stressed out and I need to pause and be like, wait, no, this is actually good. So um, anyway, um, so right before my first graduate school interview, um, I was feeling so overwhelmed with anxiety and um, kind of a dip in my mental health. And I was just feeling so awful. Um, and this is where I reached out to um, Nicole Cabrera-Salazar and um, asked just like, do you have any advice to like survive this? Um, and her, I mean, she gave a bunch of wonderful advice, um, but one of, their, one of her advice was just like, just get through it, like just do it. And if you do it, if you just like go to the interview, say words after they say words, you will have succeeded. You will have overcome this moment and you will have absolutely succeeded and done your best and that's amazing and you deserve to celebrate that and so after the interview i texted her and i was like i said words after they said words like it it happened <laughs> it wasn't great but it literally happened and that is something that i'm going to celebrate in this moment so even though that's such a silly like 25th hour like i i really didn't have anything under control but feeling like i you know like like i didn't skip the interview like i did it i showed up in the words of Brene Brown, like, let myself be seen. And that was a moment where I was like, okay, I can do this a little bit, right? Um, and, you know, and that goes in waves, right? Because some interviews, you come out and you don't feel that victorious, but then some interviews you're gonna, you know, and you're like, you know what? I did it and that's worthy of celebration and worthy of praise and I can feel successful. I can let myself feel successful um, for this small task, so. Yeah. That's a perfect example and a great way to end the interview. So thank you so much for being on. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed our show today. Since recording this episode, Leah has decided to attend the University of Washington this fall to pursue a PhD in astronomy. If you want to hear about the paths of more women like you, Please rate, review, and subscribe to get this girl a job. Your reviews help keep our podcast growing and improving, and we promise to take the time to read all of your feedback. In addition, Rosanna and I would love to answer your questions about college, internships, or other professional opportunities. Just follow the link in the description below to submit them. As always, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week for the final episode of Season 1 of Get This Girl a Job.